Lesson number 197, Surah An-Naml, ayah number 45 to 59. We will listen to the recitation first and then we will do the tafsir. وَلَقَدْ أَرْسَلْنَا إِلَى ثَمُودَ أَخَاهُمْ صَالِحًا أَنِعْبُدُ اللَّهَ فَإِذَا هُمْ فَرِيقَانِ يَخْتَصِمُونَ قَالَ يَا قَوْمِ لِمَ تَسْتَعْجِلُونَ بِالسَّيِّئَةِ قَبْلَ الْحَسَنَةِ لَوْلَا تَسْتَغْفِرُونَ اللَّهَ لَعَلَّكُمْ تُرْحَمُونَ قَالُوا اطَّيَّرْنَا بِكَ وَبِمَنْ مَعَكَ قَالَ طَائِرُكُمْ عِنْدَ اللَّهِ بَلْ أَنْتُمْ قَوْمٌ تُفْتَنُونَ وَكَانَ فِي الْمَدِينَةِ تِسْعَةُ رَهْطٍ يُفْسِدُونَ فِي الْأَرْضِ وَلَا يُصْلِحُونَ قَالُوا تَقَاسَمُوا بِاللَّهِ لَنُبَيِّتَنَّهُ وَأَهْلَهُ ثُمَّ لَنَقُولَنَّ لِوَلِيِّهِ ثُمَّ لَنَقُولَنَّ لِوَلِيِّهِ مَا شَهِدْنَا مَهْلِكَ أَهْلِهِ وَإِنَّا لَصَادِقُونَ وَمَكَرُوا مَكْرًا وَمَكَرْنَا مَكْرًا وَهُمْ لَا يَشْعُرُونَ فَانظُرْ كَيْفَ كَانَ عَاقِبَةُ مَكْرِهِمْ أَنَّا دَمَّرْنَاهُمْ وَقَوْمَهُمْ أَجْمَعِينَ فَتِلْكَ بُيُوتُهُمْ خَاوِيَةً بِمَا ظَلَمُوا إِنَّ فِي ذَلِكَ لَآيَةً لِقَوْمٍ يَعْلَمُونَ وَأَنْجَيْنَا الَّذِينَ آمَنُوا وَكَانُوا يَتَّقُونَ أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم وَلَقَدْ أَنْ سَرْتَنْلِي أَرْسَلْنَا وِيسَنْتْ إِلَى ثَمُودَ تُو ثَمُودَ أَخَاهُمْ ذَيْرْ بَرَدَرْ صَالِحًا صَالِحٌ عَلَيْهِ السَّلَامِ To the people of Thamud, the nation of Thamud, Allah sent the Prophet Salih alayhi salam to them. أَنِعْبُدُ اللَّهَ That you all worship Allah. This was the main message of who? Salih alayhi salam. That all people worship Allah, meaning worship Allah alone. But what happened? فَإِذَا Then at once, immediately. Whom they, meaning the nation of Thamud, the people of Thamud, what happened to them? They became fariqan, two groups, dual of the word fariq. Fariq is one group, one party, and fariqan, two groups, two parties. So the nation that was one now became divided. They turned into two parties that were يَخْتَصِمُونَ They were disputing, they were arguing, they were conflicting. Meaning, they became very different from one another, and where they were one, now they became divided. The word يَخْتَصِمُونَ is from اِخْتِصَام, from the word خَصْم, خَصَاد مِيم. And اِخْتِصَام is basically when one group stands up against the other. You see, sometimes people have differences. They disagree with each other, and that is fine. 
But when those differences lead to hostilities, that one is, let's say, talking bad about the other, openly opposing the other, being hostile towards the other, this is ikhtisam. So this division wasn't just a disunity in their beliefs, rather it kind of split the entire nation. Fa'idha, and notice the word fa'idha, that immediately, as soon as Salih did his da'wah, he called people to worship Allah alone. What happened? Immediately the nation was divided. How did the nation become divided? That some people believed in Salih and the majority of the people did not believe in him. And because of this difference in their faith, what happened? It led to division, it led to much hostility. And this was mainly because Salih when he did da'wah to the people, many people, yes, they accepted, but those who did not believe in him, what did they do? They opposed him. This is what leads to further division. Just like the Prophet in Mecca, what happened? When he called people to worship Allah alone, initially there was no problem. But what happened? Those who did not want to believe in him, they became hostile towards him. The Prophet ﷺ would go on telling people, O oh people, worship Allah, you will be successful. Right? قُلُوا لَا إِلَهَ إِلَّا اللَّهِ تُفْلِحُوا He was conveying his message. And we all you know, talk about freedom of speech and all of that. Right? So the Prophet ﷺ had all the right to say, قُلُوا لَا إِلَهَ إِلَّا اللَّهِ تُفْلِحُوا Right? He was not insulting their idols. He was not insulting the people who worshipped idols. He just said, worship Allah alone. خلاص, that's all he said. But what happened? Abu Lahab, he started the hostility. How? That he would go around behind the Prophet ﷺ, ridiculing him, ridiculing him, insulting him in front of people. This is what led to tensions. This is what led to people splitting up from each other. We learn about, for example, Sa'ad bin Abi Waqqas anhu. Also we learn about Musab bin Umayr anhu. So many companions, when they believed, it was their own families, it was their own tribes, it was their own parents, their own brothers, their own uncles, their own aunts that turned against them. They're the ones who started the violence, didn't they? Like for example, we learn about Uthman anhu, how his uncle would wrap him up in a mat and put that mat on fire. And so the smoke would bother him inside. Bilal anhu, when he believed, what happened to him? We all know about the stories of the way he was persecuted, right? So, you know, many times Islam or religion is blamed for problems in the world, isn't it? I mean, it doesn't matter which era you're looking at, which place in the world you're looking at, anywhere you go, any period of time, the present or any part from the history you study, Islam or religion in general is blamed for what? For war, for bloodshed, for division, and all of that. Yeah, generally all the problems in the world, the blame is put on who? On religion, on Islam, on Muhammad wasallam, on Muslims. But if you think about it, is Islam what started the problems? No, it was the people who opposed Islam. Just study the seerah, right? You all are studying the seerah. Thirteen years in Mecca, the Muslims were... Victims of persecution. Isn't it so? Even though they wanted to take revenge, they were not allowed to. Again and again they were told, be patient, be patient, be patient. 
But then after 13 years, when the Muslims migrated to Medina, and still the mushrikeen did not leave them, of course, now you're supposed to defend yourself. Right? So something similar happened at the time of Salih salam that when he called people to worship Allah alone, immediately there was a split in the nation. Why was there this split? Because those who disbelieved in him didn't just disbelieve in him. They opposed him. They insulted him. They ridiculed him. And as a result, the people that were one now became divided. فَإِذَا هُمْ فَرِيقَانِ يَخْتَصِمُونَ They stood up against each other. In Surah Al-A'raf, Ayah 75-76, we learn, قَالَ الْمَلَأُ الَّذِينَ اسْتَكْبَرُوا مِنْ قَوْمِهِ لِلَّذِينَ اسْتُضْعِفُوا لِمَنْ آمَنَ مِنْهُمْ The elite, the leaders amongst this nation, they said to those who believed in Salih a.s. They asked them. And those who believed in Salih a.s. who were they? They were weak, they were poor. They said to the believers in Salih a.s. أَتَعْلَمُونَ أَنَّ صَالِحًا مُرْسَلٌ مِّن رَبِّهِ Do you really know? How do you know that really he is a messenger from his Lord? قَالُوا إِنَّا بِمَا أُرْسِلَ بِهِ مُؤْمِنُونَ They said, we believe in him. They said, we believe in Salih. So what was the response of these leaders? قَالَ الَّذِينَ اسْتَكْبَرُوا إِنَّا بِالَّذِي آمَنْتُمْ بِهِ كَافِرُونَ We disbelieve in what you believe in. So it seems as though initially it wasn't a big deal. If somebody believed in Salih didn't believe, it was okay. But it was those who disbelieved in Salih who started the problems. Who started this hostility, persecution, and this led to division. And this is something we need to remember because many times, you know, the Prophet ﷺ is blamed or Islam is blamed, but we need to look at the whole picture. We need to look at the whole context that where is it that hostility started? Qala, Salih ﷺ, he said, Ya qawmi, O my people, lima, for what? Meaning, what is the reason? Why is it that tasta'jiluna bisayyati? Tasta'jiluna, you hasten for. You are impatient for. This is from Ujla. Ujla is to be hasty. And Isti'ujal is to want something to happen quickly before its due time. So why is it that you're rushing for, you're impatiently demanding, Bisayi'ah. Sayi'ah, evil. Why is it that you are impatiently urging for evil, demanding evil, قَبْلَ hasana before good? لَوْلَا تَسْتَغْفِرُونَ اللَّهِ Why do you not seek forgiveness from Allah? لَعَلَّكُمْ تُرْحَمُونَ So that you are shown mercy. What does it mean by this? Salih salam he said to his people, that by your actions, by your blind denial, what are you demanding? You are demanding Allah's punishment. And this is what sayyi'ah is referring to. What is sayyi'ah? Punishment. Allah's punishment. And how is it that they were rushing for it, hastening for it, demanding it impatiently by their blind denial, by their actions, by their shirk? Qabla al-hasana before good. Meaning, why don't you reflect and believe? Why don't you think about the message that I am conveying to you? Because if you were to think about it, reflect on it, you might find it convincing. And if you believe in it and you seek forgiveness from Allah then you will find good in this life and you will also find good in the next life. Because isn't that what we ask Allah for? رَبَّنَا آتِنَا فِي الدُّنْيَا حَسَنَا وَفِي الْآخِرَةِ حَسَنَا Oh Allah, give us good in this life and good in the next life. So 
you are demanding sayyi'ah, punishment. Whereas you should be striving towards hasana, goodness. In this life and in the next. And how is it that you will receive goodness? Through belief, through iman. Because when a person believes and does righteousness, then Allah promises them a good life in this world and also a good life where? In the afterlife. And also remember that the people of Salih who disbelieved in him, in their pride, what did they say? That we're not going to believe in you. And this punishment that you keep threatening us with, go ahead, bring it. This is similar to how the mushrikeen of Makkah also demanded the punishment from the Prophet ﷺ. That if you're really a messenger, a true messenger of God, and we are denying you, then we should be punished. Well, if we should be punished, bring the punishment right now. Right? So, Salih ﷺ said to them, why are you asking for punishment? Just think about it. What is it that you're asking for? Use your mind. Use your reason. Allah can punish you. He can also reward you. Allah can punish you and He can also fill your life with blessings. What is it that you ask Allah for? What is it that you take from Him? What is it that you receive from Him? And this is something that we all need to think about. That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, where He has made Jannah, He has also made hellfire. Right? Where there is ajr, there is thawab, there is reward, there is also punishment. It is totally up to us. What is it that we want from Allah? What is it that we ask Allah for? And sometimes when a person is blinded by the love of this world or he is blinded by whatever beliefs that he has, he doesn't think about what he's asking Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for. So over here, these people, because of their blind denial, their blind opposition to their messenger, they began asking for punishment. So Salih makes him think, that why are you asking for sayyi'ah? You should be asking for hasana. Believe, seek forgiveness from your Lord, and when you will seek forgiveness, then you will enjoy good results. Hmm? So take a better option, in other words. This is what he's suggesting. Take a better option. You have nothing to lose. If you believe, you seek forgiveness from Allah, you will only receive good from Allah. In Surah Al-A'raf, Ayah 77, something similar is mentioned, where the people of Salih salam they said, يَا صَالِحُ اُتِنَا بِمَا تَعِدُنَا إِن كُنْتَ مِنَ الْمُرْسَلِينَ The people said, O Salih, bring the punishment if you're really of the messengers. Basically, they were saying that if you're really a messenger, bring the punishment. Once we see the punishment, then we'll know that what you threatened us with was true. Which means that you are true. Then we can believe in you. But what good is that belief after the punishment? You understand? What's the benefit? In Surah Al-Ma'arij, Ayah 1 and 2, also we learn about the people of Makkah. سَأَلَ سَائِلٌ بِعَذَابٍ وَاقِعٌ لِلْكَافِرِينَ لَيْسَ لَهُ سَأَلَ سَائِل The سَائِل, meaning the one who came and demanded something from the Prophet ﷺ, what is it that he asked for? بِعَذَابٍ Punishment. What kind of punishment is it? وَاقِعٌ Definitely it is going to happen. There is no denying hellfire. There is no denying hellfire. Even if a person denies it, eventually it's there. لِلْكَافِرِينَ لَيْسَ لَهُ دَافِرٌ For those who disbelieve, there is no preventer of the punishment. In Surah Al-Ra'da, Ayah 6, something similar is mentioned. وَيَسْتَعْجِلُونَكَ بِالسَّيِّئَةِ قَبْلَ الْحَسَنَةِ They impatiently urge you to bring about evil before good. وَقَدْ خَلَتْ مِنْ قَبْلِهِمُ الْمَثُولَاتِ 
while there has already occurred before them similar punishments. Similar punishments. You know, sometimes in anger and frustration, people begin asking for terrible things to happen to them. You know, like for example, people curse themselves. They say, if I'm really wrong, then may the curse of God be on me. You know, or may my house be ruined, or, or may my family be ruined, or may each and every person in this room be struck with some kind of disease. What's the point of saying that? Like seriously. What is the point? This is ignorance. This is jahal. We should always, always ask Allah for His fadl. Always, no matter what situation we're in. You know, even if a person has done the most serious of sins, most serious, and he finds himself in a very low state, in a very low position, even in that situation, if a person asks Allah for his fadl, if a person asks Allah for his mercy, his forgiveness, he will find it. Because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, in hadith Qudsi we learn that I am as my servant thinks I am. And remember that in our deen, we are told to combine fear with hope. Fear with hope. There is no concept of despair. No concept of despair. Remember, because despairing you know, of Allah's mercy, His forgiveness, khair, that comes from Allah, despairing of that basically means that you're closing all doors for yourself. Right? That a person is basically closing all options. And the fact is that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the musabbibul asbab. He is the provider of all means. That even if a person finds himself in the most deepest place, in the most darkest place, still Allah can create a way. Can He not? We learned about the story of Musa in Surah Al-Shura. Where was the way out? Was it behind him? No, Fir'aun was there. Was it in front of him? No, the water was there. But hope in Allah, that Allah will provide a way. So even if a person has committed sins, a person finds himself very evil, very filthy, a very bad record, whatever it is, very bad history. You know, a person is consumed by so many sins and so many wrong things. Still there is a way out. Always, always there is a way out. Because as long as we're living, we have a way out. So over here, Salih is giving hope to them. That why are you asking for punishment? You should be asking for forgiveness. When you will ask for forgiveness, then just be amazed at, at the results. Go ahead. Bismillah. Assalamu alaikum. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He says in Surah وَمَنْ يَعْمَلْ سُوءًا أَوْ يَظْلِمْ نَفْسَهُ ثُمَّ يَسْتَغْفِرَ اللَّهِ يَجِدَ اللَّهُ الرَّحِيمًا Yes. That a person who does wrong or he commits a sin, then ثُمَّ يَسْتَغْفِرَ اللَّهِ Then when he seeks forgiveness from Allah, he will find Allah forgiving and merciful. Right? So this is something very important that we need to remember. Because what happens is that when we commit a sin, when we make a mistake, we start thinking very bad about ourselves. We have a very, you know, low level of, you can say, self-esteem or an image of oneself. I'm so bad. I'm a failure. There's no way I can ever have khushur in my salah. And you know what? Maybe I'm one of those people who can just not memorize the Qur'an. Maybe, you know, being religious is not for me. Right? We start telling ourselves that maybe I'm just that person who's never going to have good akhlaq. Maybe I'm that person who's just really bad-tempered. Maybe I'm just bad. 
You know, maybe Allah has decreed for me that I am of the people of hellfire. وَالْعِيَادُ billah. You know, sometimes shaitan puts these thoughts in our minds. But we should always have a high you know, goal for ourselves. And always think that Allah will take me there. I cannot get there myself. Allah will take me there. And sometimes what happens is that when you're talking to other people, you're telling them about good things, they start saying, oh, I'm not a good person. There's no you know, hope for me. No, there is hope for everybody. Because if there wasn't, the Prophet ﷺ would not do da'wah to people like Abu Jahl and Abu Lahab. He wouldn't, but he did. Didn't he? So, over here he's giving hope to his people that, لِمَا تَسْتَعْجِلُونَ بِالسَّيِّئَةِ قَبْلَ الْحَسَنَةِ لَوْلَا تَسْتَغْفِرُونَ اللَّهِ And look at this suggestive way that, why don't you take this option? Why don't you try it? Why don't you seek forgiveness from Allah? لَعَلَّكُمْ تُرْحَمُونَ You will be shown mercy. You'll be amazed at the results. قَالُوا They said, اِطَّيَّرْنَا بِكَ وَبِمَمْ مَعَكَ they said, اِطَّيَّرْنَا We consider a bad omen. Bika, with you. Meaning, we consider you to be a bad omen. What does it mean by that? اِطَّيَّرْنَا is from اِطَّيَّرَ Alright? اِطَّيَّرَ He took a طِيَرَ Alright? اِطَّيَّرْنَا We take a طِيَرَ What is طِيَرَ? طِيَرَ is basically to consider something as a bad omen. What does it mean by that? It's from the word tayr. What does tayr mean? Bird. What does a bird do? What's something special about birds? They fly. Right? We wish we could fly, but we don't have wings. Right? Even if we try to you know, take something and try to fly, it's, it would be difficult. So anyway, birds can fly. Right? So the Arabs... And not just the Arabs actually, this is something that's common in many nations, many societies, that the Arabs when they would be confused about something, should they continue with it or should they stop? Basically when they had to do istikhara, right? they would take a bird and they would release it. Okay? And when they would release the bird, if it flew to the right, yeah, let's continue. And if it flew to the left, no, 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 stop. And sometimes they wouldn't even release the bird themselves. If they would just see a bird flying in the sky somewhere, they would consider the flight of the bird, alright, because if it was in a particular direction, they would consider that flight to be a sign of good luck or bad luck. You understand? And this is something that is very common, that where an object an event, a time, you know, anything is taken as a sign of bad luck or good luck. Alright? Like for example, something bad happens, a total disaster. Hmm? And people start to wonder, why did this happen? So they say, oh, the reason why my party ruined is because such and such person was here. And this person, no matter where they go, you know, they take problems with them. Hmm? Okay. I mean, evil eye, there is a reality to it. Like for example, somebody is getting married. And recently somebody's gotten divorced or they're, for the third time their engagement broke or, you know, they got widowed or, or something like that. Don't call them. 
don't tell them. Because if they come, they will bring bad luck with them. Yes, I'm telling you, this is I'm not making it up. Even if people don't say it with their mouths, they're thinking about it in their heads. They make you feel it. Somebody's expecting. Don't tell somebody who's had a miscarriage. Don't tell them at all. Don't be around them. Because their being with you, their knowing your condition is going to affect your fate somehow. Allahu alam how. Go ahead. Culturally, it's something that she believes, like for a long time. And she asked me if you find there is, I think, like there's a small ominous things, decoration. And she was looking a while. We were working at a store. And I asked her, I said, what do you want? Like for some reason I asked her, I said, what she said? Oh, my baby, my daughter-in-law had a baby. And back home we used to hang that on beside the bed of the baby. So whoever comes, they don't put some bad eyes. So I see think of this. And she prays. She just, but she has this culture that she cannot let go. This again is related to evil eye. Right? We're talking about tiyara. Tiyara is different from ayn. Okay? Ayn, evil eye is that someone's jealousy, alright, or their constant looking at you, their jealousy is going to cause you harm. And that is possible with Allah's idhn. Alright? Tiyara is when you think that because a black cat passed in front of me, this is the reason why, because of the walking of the black cat in front of me, I am going to get hurt. You understand? Superstition. This is tiyara. Tiyara is superstition. And there are so many different colors and shades of this that existed and still exist today. Still exist today. Number 13. Right? I mean, it's amazing. When you go to like a, a building in downtown, like a fancy building downtown, where each apartment is like millions of dollars and you are amazed that seriously people who don't believe in God believe in superstition seriously it's amazing but anyway they said bika. we consider you to be a sign of bad luck for us because was there a division in this community now there was a division right so they said you know all these problems they have started because of you they have started because of you and with those who are with you. Meaning all of you, Salih or you, and those people who believe in you, you're a sign of bad luck for us. Because of you, we have so many problems. You see, it happens. You know, for example, if there's a family, alright? One person accepts Islam, or one person, they become religious. Okay? Now what happens? News spreads. And... People who were previously very friendly with this family are no longer friendly. For instance, right? People who used to come over, have them over, now it's no longer like that. Somebody in the family had a job, but when they found out that, oh, the sister is like this and this and this, they're losing their job, or things like that. You understand what I mean? It happens. But these things were meant to happen anyway. You can't blame somebody's hijab. You know, if somebody puts on the niqab, right? What are they told? You're never going to get married. Right? Or at least if no marriage proposal works out, they are told it's because of your niqab. While there are so many other people 
who don't wear niqab, but what happens? They've got the good, beautiful looks, mashallah. They've got the good education. They've got the good family background. They've got a good job, everything. The house is paid off. No loan, nothing at all. Are they married? No, they're not married. Are they actively looking for a spouse? Yes, they are. Then what is preventing the marriage? Allah's idhan is not there. You understand? But we are so quick to point fingers at the deen. At the deen. It's because of this hijab, it's because of this Qur'an, it's because of this niqab, it's because of this salah, it's because of your jumu'ah, it's because of your masjid, it's because of this and this and this related to the deen, because of which we're having problems. You know, this is a modern translation of what the people were saying to Salih a.s. That because of you, we're suffering from so many problems. Something similar happened to the Arabs also. That when the Prophet ﷺ started doing da'wah and his own family turned against him, the rest of the Arabs, you know, they spoke about the Quraysh, that what kind of people are you? You have turned your own people outside of the Holy Land, Makkah. Right? So their relationships with the other Arab tribes were affected because of the Muslims. So they blamed Muslims. They blamed Islam. And today also, Muslims are blamed, Islam is blamed for many things Whereas the fact is that the ultimate giver of good and bad is who? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. This is why Salih salam very confidently responded, قَالَ طَائِرُكُمْ He said, your ta'ir, meaning your bad omen, is Allah. It is with Allah. What does it mean by this? What does it mean by this? Your bad luck is with Allah. Meaning whatever evil you're suffering, it is happening by Allah's permission. Because nothing bad happens and nothing good happens except with the permission of Allah Azza wa Jal. This was something that happened due to September 11. This was so many years ago, subhanAllah, I completely forget about it. But uh, to some people, it's really still in a touch with them. But to show them as humanity that we, I told them that yes, it was wrong. Some innocent people get killed. But uh, their belief was because Muslim did it. And what I was trying to make them understand is that because of Allah's will, the God's will, this was supposed to happen, no matter what it is. It was supposed to happen at that time. We don't know why it happened, but it was decreed to happen that day. And that's one thing we have to believe, whether it was intentionally or unintentionally. So subhanAllah, this is part of the decree that we, they have to believe. The same way that they're blaming uh, Saleh, then it was the same way that it happened. Yeah. Just this morning I was reading Sheikh Yasser Qadi's post on Facebook about September 11 and he mentioned that, you know, so many innocent people were killed. But in response, what happened? People are suffering till today. Till today. Right? So you can't just look at one side of the story. You have to look at the whole picture. So Salih is telling them that this happened by... Allah's will. قَالَ طَائِرُكُمْ عِنْدَ اللَّهِ Don't blame us. بَلْ أَنْتُمْ قَوْمٌ تُفْتَنُونَ بَلْ rather أَنْتُمْ You are قَوْمٌ تُفْتَنُونَ A people who are in fitna. Meaning it's your own fault. You see fitna is also used for sin. So it's you who are guilty. It's your own fault. You're suffering from these problems not because we are bad luck for you but because of what you're doing yourselves. Look at your own actions. Who has started this hostility? You have started this hostility. If you would let us live in peace, 
there would be no problem. Like in Mecca, was there really a need for Muslims to leave their city and go? Why would they go? Who would want to leave Mecca and go to Abyssinia, across the sea on the other side? Who would want to go to a foreign land and live there? Who would want to go to Yathrib? You know how much Bilal who used to miss Mecca? How much he used to miss Mecca? It's reported in Bukhari. How he got so severely ill, Aisha anha went to see him. And he was saying that, if I could only drink the water of such and such spring of Mecca and such and such spring. I mean, this is the same Bilal who was being persecuted in Mecca. Right? So, بَلْ أَنْتُمْ قَوْمٌ تُفْتَنُونَ Stop blaming us. It's your own fault. Look at your own actions. Assalamu alaikum. A sister once shared with me that how she was crossing the border and her brother was very upset because her son had a beard. And he kept saying that, you know, you're going to cause problems for all of us. Why did you have this beard? And he kept on saying that. She said, when we reached the border, the officials there told my entire family, the Ahmad family, you can go. And they stopped my brother's family. And she said it was a shock for my brother because throughout the time he had been blaming my son for growing this beard. So subhanAllah, Allah's help comes, you know, when you least expect it and you never know who is going to be blamed for what. Yeah. So the main lesson we learn over here is that when we are in difficulty, let's not blame a person or the deen. What is it that we need to look at? Ourselves. This is why Salih says, بَلْ أَنْتُمْ قَوْمٌ تُفْتَنُونَ You are in fitna. Look at your own selves. And tuftanun also means you are being tested. Right? Meaning problems are a part of life. If it wasn't going to be this problem, it would be some other problem. بَلْ أَنْتُمْ قَوْمٌ تُفْتَنُونَ The fact is that when a people do not believe in their messenger, then yes, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala takes away some of the blessings away from them. Why? To make them لَعَلَّهُمْ يَضَّرَّعُونَ So that they humble themselves before Allah. They feel their neediness before Allah and they turn to Him. We learn about Fir'aun in Surah A'raf, Ayah 130. وَلَقَدْ أَخَذْنَا آلَ فِرْعَوْنَ بِالسِّنِينَ وَنَقْصٍ مِّنَ الثَّمَرَاتِ We certainly seized the people of Fir'aun with years of famine and deficiency in fruit. Why? So that he would realize and turn back. In Surah An-Nisa, Ayah 78, we learn how the people of Mecca, they accused the Prophet ﷺ also. وَإِن تُصِبْهُمْ حَسَنَةٌ يَقُولُ هَذِهِ مِنْ عِنْدِ اللَّهِ وَإِن تُصِبْهُمْ سَيِّئَةٌ يَقُولُ هَذِهِ مِنْ عِنْدِكَ This is about the people of Medina, the hypocrites. They say that if something good happens, they say, oh, this is from Allah. If something bad happens, they say, this is because of you. O Prophet ﷺ, O Muslims, since you have come to Medina, our lives have been disturbed. قُلْ كُلٌّ مِّنْ عِنْدِ اللَّهِ Say, all of it is from who? It is from who? Allah. The fact is that this life is a test. And this is something we need to remember. We want this world to be like Jannah for us. Whereas it's not Jannah. It's never going to be Jannah. It's never going to be problem-free. It's always going to be full of problems and tests and trials. Especially when we do something wrong and a disaster happens, that is meant to wake us up. Go ahead. I feel the way Salih Hadith Islam has said, that this is an incredibly realistic way of thinking. A lot of the times people, when they look at Islam and Muslims, they say, oh, you're just you know, delusions, thinking of angels and this and that. But Salih Hadith Islam is telling us, you know, like straightforward, that this is, whatever it is, it's the will of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. You just deal with what you can. 
And by this, we're not bound by superstitions. There are people who don't believe in God, but they're constantly afraid, oh no, I stepped on a crack, or this happened, or that happened. So, I mean, they may not believe in God, but they have their own delusions that are keeping them completely wrapped up and scared of everything. But this is making us think realistically, and, you know, to deal with the situation that is in front of us. Yes. In Surah Al-Anbiya, Ayah 35, Allah says, When a blue comes sharri wal khayri, fitnatan. We test you with evil and with good as a fitna, as a trial. And this is a constant part of life. Now, remember that the people who oppose Salih salam, mainly who were they? Mala, the leaders. As we will see later on also, it was the family chiefs, it was the, you can say, tribal chiefs who, uh, who planned against him, who plotted against him. And many times it is the people at the top who oppose change. They are the most hostile towards change. Why? Because the status quo, what is it? Because of the present situation, they are the ones who are benefiting the most. Right? And if the situation changes, then they are the ones who will suffer the most. Right? If you look at, for example, a particular business. It's a very corrupt business very under the table deals and so on and so forth. And then there are people who say, we need to change this. But their ideas are not welcomed. Why? Because if the whole system is changed, then what will happen? People at the top, they're not going to make the same kind of money anymore. Isn't it? Their crimes will be exposed. They might end up behind the bars. So who do you think is going to oppose the change most? Who? It's the people at the top. Right? But the fact is that the truth cannot remain buried forever. Isn't it? Ultimately, it comes out. Ultimately, it is exposed. So anytime we see that change is suggested, people bringing those ideas, they're the ones who are ostracized, they're the ones who are portrayed as criminals, but the truth does not remain hidden. And this ultimately leads to division in a community. I mean, just take the example of food, right? We see how food is no longer considered or treated as food. It's more like food products, right? I mean, this is what we are encouraged to eat. This is what we are encouraged to purchase. Food is marketed as if it were a product. And look at what it's doing to our health. Overall, all over the world, not just in one country. We see this all over the world. And then there are people who are raising awareness of this. But how they are demonized sometimes. You know, sometimes you wonder, why is organic food so expensive? You know, seriously, what's the big deal? It's the one that is using the least amount of chemicals and all of that treatments. But why is it so expensive? What's the big deal over here? What's the reason? Because they have to pay so much fees. And it's so expensive to run a normal, to operate a normal farm. It is. It's made so difficult for them. You know, whatever is good is made so difficult. Whatever is simple, whatever is natural is made so difficult. I remember I was watching this documentary. I think it was Hungry for Change or something like that. I don't remember which one. There's quite a few. I don't know if this clip was from that documentary or not, but in one of the documentaries, they were showing about how some people were buying raw milk from a farmer. All right? And... Right there, somebody showed up, and each and every person was made to dump that milk. They weren't allowed to take it. Yani that pure you know, milk was being thrown away, literally. And people were forced to do that. 
And the poor man who had been raising his cattle and bringing this milk, I mean, the whole business collapsed. Right? Now what's the whole deal behind it? Because if people realize the health benefits and the positive things that are associated with good health, who's going to suffer? It's these big, big companies that are going to suffer. Right? Who's going to eat McDonald's then? Who's going to eat all these foods then? You understand? You know, it's amazing how you find people dumbing down, you know, good, clean eating. And who are these people who are talking against it? They're supposed to be educated people. They're supposed to be in, you know, medicine or in the food industry or something like that. They're the ones who are putting down all of these things the most. You know, recently somebody mentioned to me that, you know, you talk about all this organic food. Do you have any idea how it is grown? I'm like... Uh, It's grown naturally. <laughs> That's all I know. Well, you know what they said? The fertilizer is actually feces. I'm like, really? Is that what you're going to tell me? To convince me not to eat proper food? What's the next thing that you're going to bring up? Right? I mean, if I remember being a child going to farms, I remember cow dung everywhere. Because <laughs> that is fertilizer. Fertilizer is not what's made in a factory with all those chemicals. That's not fertilizer. That's chemicals. It's not food for us. Go ahead. I've been looking into this um, way of learning called unschooling. And it's like when the children stay at home and the parents ease the process for them by providing resources for the children and kind of just leave them to their own like whatever, like they just learn by themselves. And that works so well for the children that they can, like I've heard so many stories of uh, children like starting out on schooling, kindergarten, and like graduating in grade 12, like by themselves. And um, it was like just unschooling all the way and getting into university and the programs they want. And like the government's generally encouraging people to send their kids into the public education system and all that. So in the UK, they have like all these officials and stuff checking up on these parents that are unschooling their children just so that the children can be forced to go into an environment where their political ideologies, where their like thoughts and what they learn are influenced or controlled by the government. And so it's kind of like the same idea. Yeah. I mean, there is a reason behind that also because there are people who will keep their children at home and not teach them anything, right? So, of course, those in charge have to kind of make sure that no child is being deprived of education, so they have to take these measures. Likewise, when it comes to food, there could be people who are selling food in the name of, you know, pure and raw, but in reality, it's not like that. You know, you hear all these stories in Pakistan where oil is being sold by a random person, open oil, and that oil is not actually food, it's something else, and it's killing people, right? So this is why these systems have been made, they have been put in place, but all of these systems are not necessarily 100% good. And people, when they do try to create awareness in any industry, concerning any industry, they're the ones who are portrayed as bad guys. The point of all this discussion is not to make you start thinking that everything is a conspiracy, okay? But use your mind. Always use your mind. Don't just 
accept things because they're considered the norm or because people at the top are saying something or they're opposing something or they are promoting something. Use your own mind also. Because over here we see that the people of Salih salam, those who opposed him were mainly who? The chiefs, the leaders, people in authority, people of power, and they were controlling the masses. 